0: Tim Harrison, pastor of Woodburn Baptist Church. All of you in CAFE, if you're joining us by audio or video podcast in this room, we just had an amazing testimony from a a, a woman, Denise Cornell, who just buried her son. He's 37, uh, but still her son. And and, uh, Tim and Denise Cornell uh, continue to praise God and trust him with broken hearts. I'm preaching on family, and that testimony is a sobering reminder that you just have no guarantees of tomorrow, uh, another day uh, to to do right by your children, to do right by the Lord. You just never really know, and that's what makes today's message so important. Deuteronomy chapter 6, that's where I want us to go. Deuteronomy chapter 6, I want to show you something of a sign of the times. What is this? What is that? Do you recognize it? Yeah. How many of you are panicking right now thinking, he's in our car. He's been in our car. Uh, Yeah. This is an automobile cup holder. Uh, This one's kind of typical. Honestly, it could be your car. Uh, What's in the bottom of it? Yeah, just crumbs, crumbs. Uh, looks like something like a chocolate chip cookie once lived in that in that side. And I think this is Captain Crunch, honestly. Uh, cereal, some, something like that. It, it, it's a sign of the times. Most of you who have children, who have a minivan full of kids, you know exactly what this is. Now, the interesting thing is this, th- this is actually pretty new, and I want you to recognize that. It's a sign of how we have changed. This is a sign of how our family life has changed. Now, not so long ago, ago, nobody ate or drank in a car. Why is that? Because riding down the road was a barn, a bone jarring experience. It it just was. It wasn't smooth. Car suspension systems weren't that efficient. And so even riding from Bowling Green to Franklin, it it was bumpy. Nobody would have thought of, you know, drinking out of a cup. You, you, You just couldn't do it. Nobody did it. So nobody had cup holders in cars. It just wasn't even a thing. And then came drive-in restaurants, drive-in restaurants like Jerry's, which used to be a drive-in, and A&W, and of course Sonic is one you know today. In those days when they would bring the food out to the car, how did they serve you? <clears throat> They had a tray. Listen to Papa here, y'all. They had a tray, and they would hook that. You would roll your window halfway up, and they would fasten this tray, hook this tray on the side of the window. And so the driver, whoever had the tray, would serve everybody. But but that was eating in the car. You had to pull over, park, and they would hook the tray on the window. Now, somewhere around that time, car makers got smart, and they did something amazing. Y'all remember when you flipped out the glove compartment door, and there were like two little rings where you could set drinks there? I mean that was amazing, y'all. I mean you flipped out the glove compartment like a like an airplane. It, it just flipped down, and you have a little tray there. From there, I think back in the, about the '80s, we started getting these little plastic cup holders that we would fasten on the side of our doors. I remember those—you sort of hook it in the window, and, and we, we, we thought we were uptown, didn't we? We, we were—you put your own cup holders in, and then they started appearing in consoles and armrests everywhere. Now I'm told when a family buys a new car, the number one question they ask is, how many cup holders? How many cup holders? It has become the most important feature of a family car because there's a whole lot of meals eaten in the car. Isn't that interesting? It's the way our family life has changed. We now live in our vehicles. We live in our vehicles, and we have the French fries in the floor to prove it. We 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 live in in our vehicles. Family life has become very very different than it was, and honestly, there's no turning back. It's not as if we're all going to go back, you know, to the '50s or the '40s or even the '80s or, or, or '90s. This is what family life is now, and for a lot of parents. That, that life is in the vehicle. And you sort of feel like it's a successful day if you just manage to get everybody where they're supposed to be at what time they're supposed to be there. Family life becomes this hectic managing of a schedule. And so, if everybody gets where they meant to be and if everybody gets their own time with all their equipment, you feel like as a parent, you were a success. However, what I want you to consider today is what if simply getting everybody to this right place at the right time, what if that's not your goal? What if managing a hectic schedule and getting everybody fed in a drive through what if that's not exactly the parent's main priority? I'm going to take you back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and remind you of what your main priority is, all of us together. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Listen. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Listen, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road and when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Okay, it, it's actually quite clear. Let, let me start with this very basic principle. God comes first, not your children. Talking to parents. And if we're going to talk about where parenting begins, it begins right here. God comes first. The Lord, your God, who you must love with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength, and must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands. Parents, God comes first in our culture there is this pitfall uh, that most of us as parents fall into and it is that pitfall of of getting these things out of order if you talk to parents these days they will tell you that little angel is just the light of her world well if that little angel is the light of your world what are you going to do when that little angel is a horrible teenager who tells you to get out of her life You understand? You you cannot cannot make your children the source of your strength, the source of your joy. You can't make your children the, the source of your sense of worth. One of the reasons that families drive around like crazy, one of the reasons that families make sports the center of their lives, one of the reasons that families make cheerleading the source of their lives is that you have parents who are getting their worth out of seeing their kids succeed. Now, they tell themselves that it's all for the kids, but this is not for the kids. This is not necessarily what's best for your kids, but it makes you feel amazing to see your kids succeed. Now, we all take pride in our children, and nobody loves a kid as much as I love Wade Harris. I mean, I love my son, but God comes first. God comes first. I cannot make my son. You cannot make your sons and daughters your source. You cannot make them the center, the light of your world. You see, when that happens, you end up trying to parent out of your sense of need. You just need them, and it's all out of order. It's all backwards. You parent first when you have all of your needs met in the Lord. You don't come to your children empty. You come to your children full. And that fullness comes from your relationship with the God who is your Lord. The one whom you must love with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength. And keeping his commandments wholeheartedly. You understand? God comes first, not your children. Now it is true that your kids depend upon you for a while. And that's natural. And that's the order of things. But while your kids depend upon you, your primary love and pendence must be directed toward Christ. Your primary love, your primary devotion is to Christ, and not to your children. It is so difficult to say that. And for some of us as parents, it's very, very difficult to hear. We love those little boogers. We love them so much. But we cannot make them ultimate. We cannot make them everything in our lives. Now, until you understand that, you'll never be able to understand what the primary purpose of parenting is. It's really not about getting your needs met. It's not about having light in your world. It's not about having a child that really lives in your house more like your best friend. Understand, it's not a friendship. It's parenting. It's different. Your kid will have many, many friends in her life. She's only going to have two parents. So why don't you be a parent and, and let her have friends everywhere else? Understand, your job as a parent is different. Let's say it this way. Your job as a parent is gradually to transfer your child's dependence. Now I said, children are dependent upon us at at first. They are, and that's natural, and that's exactly how God intended it. When a baby is born, it is purple, it is slimy, it is cheesy, and it is absolutely dependent on you. She can't poop, she can't burp unless you beat her in the back. She can't do anything without you. Complete dependence, but gradually that's supposed to change. You don't want a child who continues to be completely dependent on you. If so, you're failing as a parent. Your job as a parent is gradually to transfer that child's dependence away from yourself until it rests solely upon God. Understand? You don't want your child to depend upon you. You want your child to find her dependence, to find all of her devotion in God. What exactly does the scripture say? It says, you must fear the Lord your God. You and your children and your grandchildren. You understand? So our job, our duty is to teach them to fear the Lord. It'll never happen if you don't fear the Lord first. God can't do through you what you've never let him do in you. So it starts with you as parents. You must learn to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and then you pass that on to your children. You teach them to love the Lord in the same way. Do you see that? So you're gradually transferring your child's dependence away from yourself until it rests completely upon God. I don't know if y'all are mad at me or what. We need cup holders in this place, don't we? Right here in in these pews. (laughs) You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Do you you get the the, the rhythm of, of this text? I mean, we would all say that one of the differences in in the evolution of family life is how busy families are these days. I mean, it's just crazy, y'all. It it is crazy. But I'm not preaching against that. It's not necessarily a sin to be busy. (coughs) Our family life is very, very busy. Casey and I rarely just sit down. As a matter of fact, we hardly ever do until bedtime. I, I, I want to be busy. I, I want to be on the go. I mean, we, our, our car just burns up the road. I mean, that's just kind of our family life. And Wade's like us. Wade's just like us. Somewhere out there, you know, after church today, he'll be out there, you know, burning up the road. I mean, we just sort of live our lives with that kind of rhythm. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. And Scripture's not preaching against that. As a matter of fact, this Scripture kind of anticipates that. Do you notice that? It just sort of anticipates that family life is about being at home and being on the road and going to bed and getting up. You understand there's there's a rhythm, there's a busyness to it, and, and that rhythm and busyness is not the problem. The problem is our relationship to God's word. Notice what the scripture says. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about it when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're getting up and when you're going to bed. Do you understand? It's about God's word. It's about your family's relationship to God and how that relationship to God is supposed to be the atmosphere that your family lives in and breathes. Do you understand? God's Word is not just a book your family reads at church. It is your family's way of life together. It is a way of life talk about it, live it. As you get up, as you go to bed, as you're on the road, when you're at home, God's Word is not just a book that sits on the coffee table that grandma gave you. It's not just a book that you read at church. It's not just something that your child gets when when, when she gets dedicated as a baby at church. You understand, God's Word is a way of life, a delightful way of life for a family. So it's not a sin to be on the road. It's a sin to be on the road and forget God. It's not a sin for your family to be busy. It's a sin to be so busy that you forget God. It's not a sin to have your kids involved in every kind of activity under the sun. There's nothing wrong with that. But it is a sin to raise your children and not teach them to fear the Lord God first. Understand? He comes first. Repeat them again and again to your children, this way of life, these laws, these commands. Talk about it when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Very simply, as a parent, there is not a moment of any day that you're not teaching your kids. There is not a moment of any day you think, well, I I think I took Tuesday off from the kids. I don't even think I saw my kids on Tuesday. It doesn't even matter. Some of you aren't with your kids right now, but you're teaching them. Our sons in Campbellsville, I reckon. I heard from him, you know, maybe I'll get a text. Um, but I have a feeling that wherever our son is, he knows where we are. So he he would know where mom and dad are on Sunday morning. He he would know that. And and that teaches him, I would hope. It's a pattern of life that I pray that he's seen in us. Now, he sees us at home too, and so he knows all about his parents. He knows how we can mess it up and get all up in it. He, he knows that about us too, but, but, but the point is, there's not a moment of any day that we're not teaching him, and there's not a moment of any day you're not teaching your kids. I guess at some point when you have kids, you're afraid that they'll be hard to teach, maybe a hard-headed, that they won't listen, that they won't really accept your influence. But if you've been a parent very long, you soon realize the scary part is not that, that you won't rub off on them. The scary part is that you will. Your kids will be just like you, just like you. As the pastor who will do their weddings, I'm telling you, that bride's going to be just like Mama and the longer she lives the more like mama she becomes even if she thinks man I'm never going to be like my mama I mean <laughs> you know yeah look look in the mirror baby doll I mean you are your mama you didn't mean to be you know Remember how you'd get in the car and your dad would drive like a crazy, just idiot? And you'd think, man, I will never drive like my dad. And here you go. I mean, you you drive like them. You you drive like your parents. You control anger like your parents controlled anger. You probably eat and drink the way your parents ate and drank. And you will have your parents' same kind of faith in Christ. I mean, it's just bottom line. There's not a moment of any day you're not teaching your kids. The question becomes, what are you teaching them? I and mean, what are you teaching them? I mean, y'all saw Forrest Gump, right? I mean, Forrest Gump was this grown man in the world saying, mama always said. You know, he's quoting his mama. His mama taught him. I just wonder what, 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 what mama, you're teaching your kids. And when One day when your kid says, mama always said, what's he going to say? Mama always said that iPhone 4S was better than iPhone 5. I mean... Mama always said that the first week of American Idol was always the best week. Of I mean, you know, what's mama going to What are you teaching your kid? It's not a question of are you teaching, it's, it's, it's what are you teaching. They're, they're going to be like you. I, I, I guess a whole lot of teaching our kids is about being there. And the assumption of Deuteronomy 6 is that you will be there. When they're getting up and when they're going to bed and when they're at home and when they're on the road, there's just this idea that you're there together. When you're there together, it makes it easier to teach because because there are what they call teachable moments. Teachable moments. In other words, the best time to answer your kids' questions are when they come up. And if you're not there when they come up, then understand that that question goes unanswered or else unanswered by you. Somebody else on the school bus will be happy to fill them in. You you be there when the questions come up. My my parents weren't perfect at all, but they were there when the questions came up, and I had a lot of them. I remember the day I asked my mama, mama, where exactly do babies come from? We're country kids, and so seeing babies born was, you know, (laughs) pigs and chickens, all that's a part of our lives. How does this happen? She said, you know, you need to ask your dad that. (laughs) So my dad came home from work every day. So that day, I followed him to the barn, said, dad. Where exactly do babies come from, you know? Well, my dad is a farmer. I need to tell y'all this. Y'all know where this is going already? And as a moment right there, I mean, as God would have it, right there at that moment, there was a private moment between two cows. I mean, just like right there in the field. And my dad said, well, see them cows. True story. So said, Do you see those cows? It's pretty much how we made you. Yeah. 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 Ask him when he gets here. Yeah, that, that was. Yeah. Some of y'all got to talk. I got two cows. Yeah. My dad killed two birds with one stone. I now understood where babies come from, and I knew that I wasn't going to have sex for like a long time. (laughs) Image burned in in my mind. Man, I just love my dad. I really love my dad. You know, I love my mama too. The funny thing, I'm sorry, I'm way off the sermon now. Fast forward. I got married when i like 23, so it's like, you know, decades later, I'm about to get married to my beautiful bride, Casey. I'm about to get married, and my mama says, did daddy ever tell you about the birds and the bees? <laughs> I'm 23, I'm tw- and I'm about to get married. And my mama said, did, did he ever tell you? I said, yes, mom. He told me. She said, well, I wouldn't count on it because I'm not sure he knew. <laughs> I think he did. I, I think he did. <laughs> Moments, you understand? It's it, it it's being there. And it's not just a question that's come up once and you answer the question and and you're done. You understand that that first little visual aid with my dad didn't didn't answer all my questions. It's a conversation that had to continue and still continues to this day. You're never really finished teaching your kids. That's why the scripture says something about your children and your grandchildren. You understand your responsibility in the lives of those who come behind you, it really doesn't really ever expire. As long as you live, you have a responsibility to teach and lead and be a parent for for, for these kids. The text does anticipate this active and moving family life. There's no question about it. And most of us, our lives are very active. They're all all, always moving. But but let me say a couple of things here about that. First of all, your family can do a lot, but you can't do everything. Your problem, many of us, is that... you're trying to do everything and you can't. And it's really destroying the quality of your family's life. I'm not saying that, that you're not out there, that you're not succeeding in, in some ways that the world defines success. You're going to get a lot of trophies. I, I see that. You may do really, really well on the ACT. But, but I'm talking about the, the quality of your family's life is degraded when you continue to try to do everything because you just can't. You have limits. Families have limits. There's only so much time in the day. Remember in in, in the Ten Commandments when the Scripture says, you know, six days you shall work, but the seventh day is holy to the Lord. Uh, Even in the Ten Commandments, it's sort of baked in uh, where God just sort of does not intend that you fill up your schedule. I mean, one way of saying six days you work, but the seventh day is holy to the Lord, that's just like the Lord saying, Thou shalt not fill up your schedule. You, you have to leave something there for God. You have to leave something there. I, I would call it margin. Andy Stanley calls it margin. In other words, if you don't have any margin, any extra space, it it, it creates stress. It just does. The lanes on I 65 were about. 12 feet wide. Aren't these something like 12 feet wide? And my car is about six feet wide. That feels about right. I like having that margin on both sides. That helps me, especially when I'm driving next to some of you. You understand? Having margin makes me feel more comfortable. But you ever been on one of those, you ever been like coming down the parking structure at West Kentucky University where where the lanes are about this wide and it's just that corkscrew and it just feels like that your car is just barely going to scrape down through there? It, it, it creates stress because there's no margin and your family's life needs margin. Thou shalt not fill up your schedule. Thou shalt not have something to do every single night of the week. Thou shalt not have so little time that you don't even have time to think or breathe or or, or talk about where babies come from. you understand? You, You gotta have margin. Some of you try to spend every single second of every single day and it all goes by so fast anyway. Why are you trying to speed it up? Why are you trying to drive? Faster, eat faster, move faster. Why? Understand how fast these kids are gone anyway. Slow down. You live with no margin with time. Some of you live with no margin with money. You live paycheck to paycheck. You're, you're, you're living way beyond your means. Why are you doing this? Well, Why? Do you really think it, it, it adds to the value of your family's life by, by spending more, But by working two or three jobs to support this life that actually isn't even very happy for any of you? It's this incredible life without margin. So understand, every single family has limits. And the closer you live to the edge of your limits, the more stress you're going to experience every single day. Leave margin. Create margin. That means to say no to some things. That means spend less so that you can have more time with your family. It's called margin. One of the reasons that your family life is so stressful is that simple reason that you're burning up every second of every day and you're spending through every dime that you can possibly make and it's not helping you. That's not what your family's life is about. And you only get this one shot with these kids. You understand? You don't get like a group of kids to, to learn on, and then you get a real family. This family you got's as real as it gets. This is your life. It's the only life you get. So how do you do it? How how do you get your family's life back under control? Well, let me just give you a a few things. The the first thing you must do is align yourself with God, yourself. Let's start with you, dad or, or mom. You align yourself with God. You need to have a conversation with God. You need to see to it that you learn to love him with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, all of your mind. You give yourself wholeheartedly to God. You begin to understand that your life is lived on mission. You have a purpose for him every single day. That Jesus died on the cross to save you, to redeem your life, life. Not just your church life. He's not just interested in your Sunday mornings. He wants your life. It's a life lived on mission. You align yourself with God. You get your relationship with God straightened out. You do that first. And then you get to have an amazing conversation with your spouse. Bring her into it now and explain to her what the priorities of your life are. Explain to her how God comes first and you're going to give your whole heart to him. And now he has this purpose for your life. And then you talk to her because she's going to do the very same thing. You understand? We're going to get mom and dad on the same page, maybe for the first time ever. But get mom and dad on the same page. And the only way to get mom and dad on the same page is if both mom and dad get on God's page. Understand? If dad aligns himself with God and mom aligns herself with God, then everybody's going to be in agreement. Mom and dad, you align yourselves with God and then you align yourselves with one another. You you agree together. Talk about your mission as a family. Talk about your purpose. What's valuable? What really matters to you? And then you get really serious about that. You have a purpose as a family. You have a mission to live in, a great adventure in following the Lord. Parents, you're the ones who need to decide that and define that. You need to get that word from God for your family. Now, when you understand what your mission is, when you understand what your values are, that makes a lot of other things not so complicated. It begins to be a little more clear what you can say yes and what you can say no to. If having time together as a family at home matters, then you're going to say no to some things that would be really, really good to do, but not as good as being at home with your family. You understand? You could say no to eating out at restaurants because you want to learn how to eat at a table like humans used to do. You understand? And you want that time at the table. You know, I'm not just being leave it to beaver here. Uh, our son, Wade, he's a boy that never talked. Like he didn't talk. You, you could walk by and kick him and he wouldn't talk. You know, he just didn't talk unless he's eating. Unless he's eating at the table, y'all. I mean, if we sat down for supper, he'd talk. Man, I learned how to cook supper. I cooked supper every single night of his life. And we ate at the table because that's when He talked. Man, I mean, I, I'd cook anything to hear him talk. You understand? That's just how we learned about how our son works. That's what just, that's how he, you know, that's how he rolled. Um, so at the table, he would talk. I mean, have you ever tried that? I mean, you know, in the back seat with a mouthful of French fries, you may not be getting much, but what if he slowed down enough and sort of listened that kid into talking? you get your values you get your mission in place and then you can begin making decisions and it's not so complicated anymore and that's a place where you can start leading your children you're leading children you're training children it's not about making friends hopefully when they're old and grown you can have a kind of friendship but still you're the parent you're the only parent so have they have a lot of friends be a parent and teach your child to fear the Lord and to love the Lord his God, love the Lord or god and it 's not just about bringing your kids to church on sunday that 's important, but your kids need this incredible adventure of following the Lord as a family you don 't get a, a, a long time to do that it 's just during these family years it 's in these years when you have them at home it 's in these years when you have this incredible influence over their lives don 't you want to teach them? To love the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. So get serious, mom and dad. The scripture says you've got to know the ways of God and know God's word in such a way where you just repeat it again and again and again. That's what the scripture says. Again and again and again. You just just got to keep giving them God's word. Well, Pastor Tim, I don't know a lot of the Bible. You know more than a four-year-old. Just give them what you know. Just keep giving it to them, and you get in it so you'll be ahead of them, and you'll always have something fresh to give them. Do you understand? You grow in the Word so they can grow in the Word. You just keep giving them the Word again and again. You just say it. You say it till they start rolling their eyes at you. Just keep saying it over and over. I mean, it's just what the Bible says. You just keep saying it. You keep putting God's Word in them because here's the thing. One day you won't be there, and you want to say it over and over and over so that when you're not there anymore— They can say it for themselves. You you transfer their dependence on you until their dependence rests solely upon God. I believe that that's our main job as parents. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we thank you for the gift of children and family. Lord, it is a crazy world to raise kids in. Lord, everywhere they go, everything they see, Lord, it's just uh, the whole world has become printer's alley in Nashville, God, and it is frightening to turn kids loose in it. So, Lord, I pray that you will raise up in this church families, Lord, that are serious about following Christ and serious about teaching their kids to love Christ seriously. Lord, I pray for moms and dads who have forgotten that they were parents. I pray for moms and dads, Lord, that have forgotten to put God first. I pray for moms and dads who have suddenly begun to believe that somehow keeping the minivan moving down the road is, is the whole uh, extent of their responsibility as parents. God, that may be true for certain people, for certain tribes, Lord, but we're Christians. We want our kids to love you and know you and fear you, take delight in you. So, God, make us to be dads who are passionately in love with Christ, devoted to Him, leading their families on an incredible adventure of faith. Lord, help us to be moms who reflect the radiant beauty of God every single day at home and on the road. Lord, none of us is perfect, Lord, and our, our kids can be the first to tell the stories, Lord. We, we, we are not perfect. We don't have a lot of wisdom. We don't always have words. We don't always have a Bible verse. But help us to have a healthy fear of God and a love, incredible love, and a true devotion to the Lord, our God, who has given us these amazing children to raise. Help us, Lord, to raise them well. And as a church, God, we don't all have kids, but but as a church, Lord, we sort of agree to love each other's kids and to love other people's kids and be a good example for them, Lord. If I don't have kids of my own, I, I, can, I can be a church uncle, a, a church father, Lord, a grandfather, Lord. I can love other people's kids, and I can show them the way. I can pray for them and love them. And we all need that, Lord. I thank you for the men and women of this church who have been adopted parents for my own son, Lord, family. Lord, on our best days as a church, we're like a giant family. Help us, Lord, to love each other. But always, always to love you most with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, but for the sake of our children, for the sake of our families, for the sake of our church.